0: Hello, friends. Thank you for gathering with me again around the Word of God. I hope you have your Bibles open in front of you or on your mobile device looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. What I want to do today is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, part 2. This is what we looked at during our last session Uh, But this is such a significant session, uh, I think it'll be clear to you in a moment why I want to look at it again. Uh, This section, at the beginning of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, uh, is the uh, introductory section to chapters 12, 13, and 14 in 1 Corinthians, where Paul is dealing with gifts of the Spirit, charismata, gifts of the Spirit, And particularly in the last um, 100 years, 120 years particularly, uh, the gifts of the Spirit in many ways almost appear to have been reborn into the life of the Christian community around the world. Um, So we need to pay a little extra attention to what Paul means by these gifts. Uh, The gifts of the Spirit never died away in the Christian community, But there have been times when some of these gifts have um, basically been almost inoperative because they were uh, probably being ignored as gifts in the body. So uh, here in chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, Paul is listing uh, one of the first lists in the New Testament of gifts of the Spirit. He lists nine specific gifts of the Spirit We looked at this whole text last session. Uh, What I want to do today is get back into this text, and I want to spend a little time on each one of these nine gifts as Paul lists them uh, so that perhaps we can uh, become a little bit better acquainted with these gifts. Uh, Just by way of review, uh, let me uh, make sure you understand some distinctives between uh, gifts and fruit of the Spirit and uh, just natural abilities. Paul here is talking about gifts of the Holy Spirit, charismata. Uh, that's the plural, gifts. A gift is a charisma uh, or a charism. Uh, charismata is uh, gifts of the Spirit. And Of course, I'm sure you're hearing uh, the theological term charismatic in the term charismata. Uh, because charismatics are those Christians within the body of Christ that tend to emphasize the gifts, the charismata. Uh, We're in a period of church history where uh, the existence of these gifts, uh, unlike some other periods in church history, are almost universally attested among Christians, even if uh, Christians don't pay attention to them, it's hard to say these gifts do not exist in the body of Christ because we have been in a period in the last 120 years where these gifts have been very much in evidence in the body of Christ. Uh, Gifts of the Spirit uh, are special manifestations of of, um, Holy Spirit-given supernatural abilities, we're going to be looking at Paul's list here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's two other pretty famous lists of gifts of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Uh, There's always some similarities between these lists of gifts of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, but there's also some differences between these gifts. That's led most of us uh, to say that none of these lists are exhaustive. Even if you take all three of the lists... And put them together, um, there will still be, I'm sure, other gifts of the Holy Spirit that uh, will not be even in a compilation of these three lists of gifts uh, because the Holy Spirit is sovereign, the Holy Spirit is divine, the Holy Spirit is creative. Um, But we're going to be looking specifically at Paul's list of these nine gifts here in 1 Corinthians 12. This is probably the most famous list of gifts In the New Testament. Gifts differ from the fruit of the Spirit. Um, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit in uh, Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 and uh, perhaps you remember that verse where Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Those are characteristics, those are virtues that the Spirit gives to us. Again, gifts are different from fruit. They're two different things in the New Testament. Um, And um, neither of these are just natural abilities, that all human beings have natural abilities that can be nurtured and developed. They're wonderful gifts to us in a sense, from God, uh, so I guess they could be the little g gifts, but these gifts of the Holy Spirit, capital G gifts, are particular manifestations that uh, that that the Spirit gives to Christians. Uh, you noticed here in the last session as we began looking at First Corinthians chapter twelve. There's almost a promise that every Christian has at least. A, the manifestation, a manifestation of these gifts. I think a Christian can have more than one gift. I, don't, I think it'd be highly unusual for any Christian to have all these gifts. I think uh, a Christian has at least one, but a Christian, I think, can have more than one of these gifts. Again, these are sovereignly given by God uh, to those who seek the gifts. Uh, God n- almost never... And God's way of operating uh, overrides the human will or overrides human personality. Uh, there's a verse that says the spirit of the prophets are always controlled by the prophets. Um, so God, uh, again, is, is a gentleman. Uh, he, he pays attention to us and he works with us. Um, but he gives these gifts. People have to be willing to receive them. People have to be willing to operate um, in the power of these gifts, using these gifts, I think every Christian has at least one, perhaps more than one. I don't think any Christian has all, all even the, all the nine that Paul lists here. And again, this list is not exhaustive. There's other gifts of the Spirit. Gifts are given for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. Uh, they are not given primarily for uh, the sake of the person who receives them. Uh, we are going to look at um, uh, one of the gifts that is a little more personal than the others, but the gifts are not given for personal glorification, uh, or, but they're given for the sake of the body of Christ. They're given for the building up of the body of Christ. They're given for the glorification of God. Uh, that's why Christians shouldn't follow gifts. Gifts should follow Christians um, because the Holy Spirit, once the Holy Spirit is, is given some um, authority and control and some sovereignty in a Christian's life, these will begin to evidence or manifest. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. It's, a, it's the Holy Spirit that brings us into the body of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that leads us to uh, conversion and life in Christ, so every Christian has the spirit, but, as i 've said many times before, the issue is whether or not the the Spirit has you, uh, whether or not the Spirit has authority in your life, so uh, that 's probably enough of uh, of a review about the gifts of the spirit in general let 's look back at chapter twelve verses one through eleven, and i 'm going to particularly be honing in on the gifts of the Spirit. Chapter 12, verse 1. Paul starts this new section, which is going to encompass three chapters by saying, now concerning spiritualities or spiritual things, the word gift here is implied, now concerning spiritual gifts. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I do not want you to be ignorant. There are a lot of Christians around who are ignorant of the spiritual gifts, That's not Paul's um, desire for any of us. We need to be informed about spiritual things. Verse 2, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, Paul says, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. They're not going to blaspheme God. They're not going to talk about Jesus being low life. They're not going to say Jesus is accursed. Uh, So no one of the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse. No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. No one can say that and believe that with their heart unless the Holy Spirit's working in their lives. Again, it's the Holy Spirit uh, that converts us, that convicts us and converts us. John Wesley one time said that uh, regarding evangelism, it's the work of the church, the second, the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the primary evangelist. Uh, we allow the Holy Spirit to use us to be the evangelist, so no one can say Jesus is Lord except through the Holy Spirit. No one can say that and believe that with their heart unless uh, the Holy Spirit is leading them to do that. And then at verse four, Paul starts talking about these gifts. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, one Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities but is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Uh, Just because I did at the last session, I pointed out again here in uh, these two verses, you have a reference to the Spirit, the Lord, and to God, or Father. So here's one of those places in the New Testament where we see um, uh, the doctrine of the Trinity being formed. Uh, But anyway, it's the one God through the power of the Holy Spirit, because the Lord is the giver of life, Uh, who also gives these gifts. It is God operating together sovereignly as Trinity that bestows these gifts on us. So again, we can't boast in the gifts that we have. They're given to us as gifts. Verse 7, to each is given the manifestation, phaneros in the Greek, the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. There we see the purpose. Every Christian uh, is given the manifestation of the Spirit. We have to be willing to receive it. We have to be willing to operate in it. Um, We have to be willing to offer it for the common good. And then it can become um, um, evident in our lives. So here he's going to list nine, in this particular case, nine particular gifts. Uh, Most of us throughout the last 120 years, as we've been paying a little more attention to these gifts... We've taken this list of nine gifts here in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, and we've we placed them in three categories. Let me tell you what these three categories are. And um, they fit these categories well, so I don't think these are artificial categories. There are revelation gifts. These are the gifts that allow us to know certain things. It's where God reveals something to us. There are power gifts. These are the gifts where God gives us a, a power to be able to do something. And then there's gifts of speech or gifts of utterance or gifts of being able to say certain things in a certain way. So the three categories are revelation gifts, power gifts, uh, and gifts of speech. So that's the three categories. Let's let's look at, um, there's a list here given. There's a list here given that they begin in verse 8 and they they go through verse 10. Um, Let me give them to you using these categories. Uh, As far as gifts of revelation, gifts of being able to know things that, uh, you know supernaturally. Not something you've learned by experience, not something you've learned by research, but something that God reveals to you. That's, that's the gifts being spoken of here. And you notice Paul talks about the utterance of wisdom, or you can call that the word of wisdom, or the utterance of knowledge, or the word of knowledge. And he also here in this section talks about discernment of spirits. Um, these are usually the three that come under the category of revelation gifts. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and then spiritual discernment. Word of knowledge is when God gives you some knowledge about a particular situation or knowledge about a particular person that, again, you you haven't You haven't researched it. You don't know it by experience, but God just reveals it to you. Knowledge is basically information. A word of wisdom is uh, similar, but you know the difference between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is information. Uh, Wisdom is how to use information, uh, how to apply information. Um, So with the word of knowledge Um, that would be God revealing something to you about somebody that you really by all purpose and right shouldn't know. Uh, This could happen in a counseling setting. This could happen as God sort of speaks to you a piece of information about the person to help you understand that person or to help that person. Um, That will be when God tells you something Uh, directly about some situation that's perhaps going on in the life of the church or something. Uh, I'm hesitant to give specific examples because the Holy Spirit uh, is sovereign and the Holy Spirit is creative. Uh, Those of us who have experienced words of knowledge, again, they're they're special gifts. They're something we don't research and figure out. We shouldn't know by experience, but somehow we just uh, know something. And sometimes if you share something that you know that the other person is so startled that you know, uh, in some ways that may actually uh, help you understand. That's a word of knowledge. That's a supernatural piece of information that God's given you. If Sometimes God will give you a piece of supernatural information with a word of wisdom to help you work things out, uh, to help you uh, get a group or a person beyond an impasse in their life. Uh, the, the, the discernment of spirit, the third of these revelation gifts, is just that supernatural ability uh, to tell um, whether the spirit is from God or to tell whether spirit is from the enemy. Um, uh, and sometimes the enemy counterfeits. And sometimes it, 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 no amount of training can help you do this. Uh, you can't go to seminary. And, and take a course in always knowing how to discern uh, the work of the enemy from the work of God. But, but God promise you, promises to, to pepper this gift throughout the body of Christ, the, the spirit of discernment. So these three gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, uh, spirit of discernment, are three revelation gifts where God is imparting, um, a specific type of information or wisdom or discernment uh, to, to a believer uh, for the sake of the body. Then the second category where Paul's listing these gifts here in this part of 1 Corinthians 12 is the category we call power gifts. These are gifts that enable us to do. Uh, here in this section, Paul Paul talks about three again there 's nine gifts, three categories of three each is how we kind of divide up this section. The three power gifts are gifts of healings, and notice the plural gifts of uh, of miracles and gifts of faith. Um, we know what healings are when someone uh, is is healed of their brokenness, healed of their affliction, healed of their disease. I think one of the reasons this is given. In the plural, is because healing can come in so many different ways. We don't need to limit how God heals. God is always healing. Most of every disease we've ever had, most of every affliction we've ever had, most of, most of all the broken bones we've ever experienced have been healed. And in one way or another, healing, I think, is a gift. And that's why I think they're here gifts of healing. I think that they are a multiplicity of gifts of healing that God has peppered throughout the body of Christ. Um, Some of them are more miraculous than others. Some of the gifts of healing use special means, such as medicine. Um, Use special means, such as vaccinations, perhaps, to administer healing. Uh, Remember, Jesus uh, would, would take mud and spittle and uh, make a poultice and put it on someone's eyes, and that would uh, miraculously heal that person. So there's gifts of healing, but you also notice here there's the working of miracles in this section. Again, plural. Some miracles are um, when God allows uh, a gift through a certain believer to bring about a miraculous work. You know, Jesus talked about how even the faith of a mustard seed, the faith, the size of a mustard seed, can do miraculous work, can um, you know, say to the mountain be removed? Um, and we, we know throughout history of of miracles that have been wrought in in um, in, in human history. Uh, miracles are those moments when either um, natural laws are circumvented. Or natural laws are sped up and a miracle occurs. Um, the body of Christ, just like the Old Testament uh, believers, they, they knew well about, um, about miracles. The Bible is scattered throughout uh, with miracles. So that those are the miracles. And the faith here, I need to say just a word about what, what the gift of faith is. All Christians have to have the faith to believe, the faith to become Christian, the faith to believe in and follow Jesus Christ. So in that sense, all Christians uh, have faith. Um, But this is a special, unique, super abounding gift of faith. And you've probably known people in your life to whom tremendous faith came easier than it did for the rest of us. And sometimes that super faith could be used to, to work miracles. Um, that's the special gift of faith. Another example like this, I think one of the gifts not mentioned here, is the gift of intercession. Uh, the gift of being a great prayer, prayer warrior, a great prayer with the gift of intercession. All gifts, all Christians should pray just like all Christians have faith. All Christians should pray. uh, But some Christians, I think, have the gift of intercession. Um, They they are more fruitful in their prayer life uh, than the average Christian. Uh, The gift of evangelism. We all are called to lead people to Christ. That's another gift that's not mentioned here. The gift of evangelism. We're all called to lead people to Christ. But then you have somebody like Billy Graham who has the unique supernatural gift of evangelism. You know, I think Billy Graham could read the phone book and people would give their lives to Jesus Christ. So that's the gift of evangelism above just the normal work of evangelism that all Christians are called to do. This is, in this list, in 1 Corinthians 12, this gift of faith is superabounding faith. It's it's that faith above and beyond the average faith that Christians are to have. And then um, there's three gifts related to speech or utterance here. Uh, And we're going to be in three chapters here, chapters 12, 13, and 14, where we're dealing um, about these gifts. So we're going to be talking about these gifts for quite a while. So we'll be saying more about these gifts. We'll be particularly saying more about these three gifts Uh, because I think they were very prominent in the church at Corinth. Paul has to address, uh, as he's done frequently with other issues, he has to address uh, issues of abuse with some of these gifts. And in this list of gifts of speech or utterance, uh, Paul, Paul talks about his favorite gift of the Spirit. That's my language, not Paul's, but I think when you read uh, chapters 12, 13, and 14, you'll see that I, I think it's fair to use that word for Paul. Paul's favorite gift is the gift of prophecy, one of these three gifts of speech or utterance. So the three gifts of speech or utterance, all these involve the tongue, all these involve saying something. and These are supernatural gifts from God. Uh, they're, they're referenced here uh, in, chapter, um, in chapter 10. Uh, the, I mean chapter, chapter twelve verse ten they are all three referenced here in this verse um, is prophecy, and then he talks about tongues and he talks about the interpretation of tongues and we 're going to have quite a number of opportunities to talk about these, uh, particularly in, in Chapter fourteen of First Corinthians. Let me say just a few words of introduction at this point. Um, the New testament and And Christians who are not in charismatic or Pentecostal settings sometimes get a little confused about this. There are, most of us think, um, I think, and I'm not alone in this, that there are two kinds of tongues mentioned in the New Testament. Um, One of the kinds of tongues is what we see that occurs on Pentecost. That was when people received the gift, supernaturally, of speaking a language that they did not learn the normal way. You recall the story the gift of Pentecost on, in Acts chapter 2. Uh, all of the people who were filled with the Holy Spirit spoke with the gift of tongues, and everyone heard those apostles speaking in their languages, so the gift of tongues, you might could even say the gift of tongues, um, that, that example of the gift of tongues in uh, Acts chapter 2 is the gift of languages. So it's the gift of tongues as the gift of languages is being referenced here, which is the gift of tongues is when God is saying something to the body, such as on the day of Pentecost, um, through someone... Um, and it could be a language that person... And we have examples of this all over the mission field of people speaking languages that um, they didn't learn the traditional way. Uh, the gift of tongues as the gift of languages is the, is the gift that, uh, that needs to be followed with the gift of interpretation that Paul references here when he talks about gift of tongues, gift of interpretation. So this is one of two kinds of tongues mentioned. In the New Testament, this gift of languages where God is speaking to a corporate body, a gathered body. And in order for the gathered body to hear the message, someone has to uh, exercise the gift of interpretation. Um, because the interpretation is not translation, but interpretation is where the person can say what the person with the gift of tongues is saying to the corporate body. Um, that's one type of gift of tongues. Uh, and that's the type where uh, the gift of interpretation has to be present. If not, a gift is given to the body from God and, and the body doesn't know what the, what's being said from God. Uh, that's the gift of tongues which necessitates the gift of interpretation. But, we'll look at this later, but there's a second type of gift of tongues that Paul seems to acknowledge here in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, and that's the gift of tongues as a prayer language. Uh, The gift of tongues as language or as a communication to the body is something from God to the other people. The gift of tongues as a prayer language is um, a gift that someone has been given. Uh, This is a gift pretty much for their own sake, Uh, It's a gift that they have been given uh, to be a blessing to them in their life for their prayer. Uh, And we'll look at Paul's reference to that. We'll look at examples of that or at least mentionings of that in the New Testament. It almost appears that in the early Christian community, this gift of tongues as a prayer language. And this is what you hear if you go to a Pentecostal church or a charismatic setting. You you may hear people uh, speaking in tongues and no interpreter present. And it's because they're doing this second type of tongues. They're exercising a second type of gift. By the way, John Wesley acknowledged this second type of gift, Um, tongues as a prayer language. Uh, He said, and i pretty much agree with him on this point, that they, that, that should really be reserved for private prayer. Um, you know, I'm not opposed to uh, it being in public prayer, but it can become showy. It can be ostentatious. It can call attention to the person who is praying. Uh, I'd much rather uh, that gift of a prayer language be exercised in a Pentecostal or a charismatic setting where a lot of people are doing it because it's not unusual in that setting. In a more traditional denomination, such as the one in which I serve, if someone um, evidenced the, the, the gift of tongues as prayer language during gathered worship, it could be highly disruptive, highly confusing for people. I have known people in my congregations where they, they would do it, but it was done very, very quietly. It was just between them and God. Uh, but John Wesley said... Uh, Gift of tongues as prayer language is probably better suited for for private worship. But obviously here in 1 Corinthians, we'll get there at chapter 14, it was part of the public worship there. So there's two different kinds of tongues here in the New Testament. The tongues where God is speaking to the gathered community, that necessitates someone else having the gift of interpretation. And then the gift of tongues more broadly given in the body of Christ Uh, as a prayer language. And we'll have more opportunities to talk about that when Paul addresses that. But the third and the final gift mentioned in this section is Paul's favorite, the gift of prophecy. He is going to encourage you to seek the gift of prophecy. Prophecy in the New Testament sense uh, is a significant gift for the body of Christ. It is not predicting the future. Like Jeannie Dixon, that's, that's a, a different concept of prophecy. Prophecy in the New Testament is speaking the mind of God. It's where God gives some wisdom for the congregation, and it's related to, it's relayed to the congregation. Uh, in some parts of the church, prophecy is sometimes seen as nothing really more than preaching, which is what makes preaching different from teaching. Uh, preaching uh, at least at moments in the the act of preaching. Prophecy should be happening. Uh, The preacher should have enough freedom in the moment that the preacher can um, be preaching some of what the preacher prepared and also be open to the Spirit speaking through the preacher at that moment because prophecy is speaking the mind of God from the mind of God to the gathered community. Uh, You're going to see that uh, Paul highly esteemed the gift of prophecy. Um, He he says everybody should seek the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is much more edifying for the body than, for instance, the gift of tongues. Uh, We're we're going to have opportunities to talk about these gifts some more, particularly tongues and prophecy, as we uh, particularly get into chapter 14, because uh, what was happening in Corinth, these, these gifts were in evidence. They were a highly gifted congregation, a highly gifted Christian community, but uh, they were operating in the gifts and not operating in the fruit of the Spirit. They needed love. They were allowing the gifts to become divisive. They are allowing the gifts to build up individuals and not the body. So Paul even is going to give like an order of service as to how the gifts should be used when the gifts are used in worship. Um, but this is just a little introduction to at least these nine gifts. This list is not exhaustive. Uh, but this just happens to be the list here in 1 Corinthians 12 and probably one of the most famous lists. So I um, hope that helps you a little bit with um, defining these uh, as I think they're defined. Uh, and again, I'm not alone in any of this. But defining these nine gifts, these gifts of revelation, these gifts of power, and these gifts of speech that God had given to the body of Christ. So um, we will continue on into chapter 12 and chapter 13, that great love chapter, and chapter 14 as we uh, listen to Paul continue talk about um, the, the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, and the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to individual believers. So uh, thank you for taking this journey with me. God bless you.